To all who listen to this happy podcast, welcome to In Waltz Time with me, your host, Craig Mahoney, your old pal, Craigers, episode number two of In Waltz Time. The delayed second episode, it's a few weeks late. I apologize, It's go- I'm, I'm in the middle of a move. I'm in the middle of a, well, I'm finally actually settled into my new my new home, my new workspace. It's the first time I've actually had uh, like a re- real home or workspace in about four years. And the first time since the beginning of the pandemic that it doesn't feel like I'm living out of suitcases and boxes. So, um, yeah, I've actually been trying to get this podcast off the ground since I had the, the initial idea of this podcast came in 2008, late 2018. And it's been almost four years. Uh, but here we go. We're doing it. We're rolling, whether we're ready or not, just like they opened Disneyland. You know, we're painting dirt on Tomorrowland to make it look like asphalt. That's what we're doing here. Um, but yeah, we're rolling. Uh, my name is Craig Mahoney. I'm the host. If you missed the first episode, uh, I am an artist, illustrator. I do voiceovers. I also occasionally still do some uh, stand-up comedy and singing uh, out and about when I feel like it. Uh, and I am a huge... Uh, Walt Disney fan, the, the, the fan of the man himself, and of most of his work, classic Disney, uh, and, and certainly classic animation. What this podcast is going to do is focus largely on the life of Walter Elias Disney and his work and the people he worked with. And it is not going to be strictly a, um, you know, me doing digging into research and then, you know, coming at you with, hey, here's what happened, bup, 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 you know, uh, sort of almost uh, audio essays. And there are podcasts like that that are great, and I will list some of them and recommend them later on in this episode. Um, this is going to be more of a discussion. I'm more of a freewheeling type of guy. Uh, I, I wanted to, it's, I'm basically recording all this as though I'm doing this live uh, to radio and just want it to be a lot more conversational in tone. There's going to be more just analysis, my own thoughts, my own feelings, and, uh, we, and, and a lot of interviews, hopefully. We're going to get a lot of uh, people who know a lot more than I do. As I am, I am an amateur uh, Disney historian. More of, more of an enthusiast right now than an actual historian. But we're going to, um, later on in this episode, we're going we're gonna to talk about sort of some, maybe, well, it depends on how long I go with the first half of this episode. We might cut it up into two. We might pull a Quentin Tarantino Kill Bill on this episode, depending on how, uh, how verbose... And long-winded I become. Um, but I, but what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, later on in this episode, I'm going to basically uh, give you guys a little a little how to get started, or at least tell you how I've gotten started. Some of the books, podcasts, Instagram accounts, blogs, uh, documentaries that I've been using to sort of uh, get into um, learning about, learning about Walt, learning about Walt Disney Studios. And, uh, you know, animation history in general. Obviously, this, as you've probably guessed just from the amount of times I've brought up animation, we're going to focus a lot more on that than the live-action um, television shows and, and movies uh, that Walt produced, and especially because that was a lot later in his life, and he was and it was mostly, they were largely just there to make money. Um, but obvi- there are a few obvious classics that we're going to have to go over at some point. I mean, it would be... Uh, it, it would it would be um, what's it uh, what's what's the word? It begins with a D. D. Um, it would be um, oh well. Anyway, <laughs> I would be neglecting my duties as a Walt Disney history podcast host if we didn't ever discuss um, things like Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea or Treasure Island or you know Davy Crockett or the Mickey Mouse Club. So we will get into that at some point. But uh, I love the cartoons. I love cartoons, and I love the theme parks. And I love science and technology and progress. And um, obviously, Walt was a futurist. That's kind of the the interesting thing about him is that he was both a nostalgist and a futurist at the same time. And uh, we'll touch on that a little bit as we roll along. Uh, what else did I want to start with here? Oh, yeah, the Substack. If you, you know. Uh, so, again. I'm just kind of diving into this both feet first. Not entirely uh, ready, but one of the reasons I am 
And, uh, you know, I hope I still make this a pleasant enough listening experience to keep you, uh, to, yeah, just keep you entertained on whatever it is you're doing right now. Your commute, your exercise, your workout, your, maybe you're cleaning and making dinner. I don't know. Um, but I, I want to just get this going and have this podcast existing for a few reasons. A, uh, the more I do it, the, the better I get, the better the podcast gets. And, um, I figure, you know, <laughs> The, obviously, the listenership will build as we go along, so I'm not I'm not subjecting too many people to the to the roughness of these first few episodes. I don't think, but I still respect you. I still respect what what five or six or or four dozen people are listening to these first few, and I want you to enjoy it. But um, the other thing is, I I just want I wanted to get the first few episodes rolling, uh, and I wanted to do them solo to sort of just uh, a you know get myself. Uh, in gear as far as just being a podcast host and just getting my thoughts in order, but be sort of uh, so we could get to know each other, or you could get to know me really, and um and and I could sort of get my thoughts out there, um, so that as the podcast moves forward, it'll be a little easier to uh, you know, once I've sort of gotten them out there and put them on record, it'll be easier to sort of refer back to them, or you know, I'll ha- you know, this is sort of me writing the essay right now, you know. Uh, and the other reason is just uh, I, I wanted it to exist and, and have a few episodes out for it to be uh, consistent before I started uh, asking guests to come on and 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 waste you know <laughs> I didn't want them feeling like they were wasting an hour or two of their time talking to me uh, for something that might you know might get abandoned in a few weeks or might only come out once a month or, or sporadically or something. So I really, I want this podcast to, to, to just get it up and running and for it to exist so that I could start bringing in some decent guests. And because this is being hosted on my Substack, craigmahoney.substack.com, the wonderful world of Craigers. <laughs> and you can subscribe to that for free. You can opt out of the non-Disney content, uh, receiving notifications about it if you want. Um, but there is a there is a premium uh, tier where I will be offering exclusive um, content, uh, Disney and non-Disney related content for premium subscribers, paid subscribers. And if I want people to pay to subscribe, and I and indeed I do, um, you know I need I need this to be a an actual you know living proven uh, commodity, a consistent uh, consistently delivered product. So. It's a little, so we're rough sledding here, the first few episodes, but whatever, we're going. Like I said, we're painting the dirt in Tomorrowland on opening day here. Uh, So, you know, here we go. Episode two, hi-ho, hi-ho, off to work we go. Hi-ho, I can't, I'm not a tenor, I can't, hi-ho, that's better, thank you. Um, (laughs) So one of the things I want to do with this is... um, I want to sort of capture Walt in all his facets and all his color. I don't know if anybody truly knew him inside out, except for maybe his wife Lillian, uh, even the people who worked with him. I think actually everybody, maybe including maybe his wife, might have been the only one, or his brother Roy might have been the only ones who knew him uh, completely or as completely as you could. Um, even his daughters, I think, saw one side of him. They saw, you know, dad, either the stern or loving father. You know, yeah, our parents are always sort of, you know, projecting an image of what they want us to see. Um, and and even the guys who worked with him and worked with him for decades and worked with him closely and even went on trips with him and stuff. Uh, you know, the, I think he 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 showed everyone a little. He treated and interacted with people a little differently depending on who you are. I think different people had different experiences with him. And and but uh, but there are there are a lot of commonalities and and there's a lot that has been written and a lot of uh, you know contemporaneous accounts. A lot of those people who did live and work with Walt. I uh, have spoken about it. So there's a lot to draw from where I think, you know, there's a very simple narrative uh, about him, You tip in, especially in the popular consciousness. And even the people who really um, try to dig into it, I think still lean one way or the other. You know, it's, it's mostly, you know, mostly what we hear about Walt is, you know, it was just, it's all good. Mostly good. And even when they, the people who do try to complicate that a little bit, I think still shave off a little bit of the rough edges. And then, of course, there's the other, you know, 
Walt the Dark Prince of Hollywood, that horrible book. Uh, and, you know, he was a misogynist and he was uh, an anti-Semite and he was a racist, none of which was true. I, I doubt he'd be considered a progressive by our current standards. But, you know, the man uh, viewed people pretty much equally and viewed them mostly on their, their merits, uh, especially as far as working for him concerned. If you could do the job, he didn't care, really. Um but, you know, he, grew, he lived in a time where there was sexual and racial segregation. And, um, you know, I think he, 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 I don't know if he fully supported that or not. He wasn't, you know, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> um, no, but he was not, he was not a violent misogynist or, 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 or racist, but he also, you know, there, there were, uh, you know, there was, you know, Floyd, Floyd Norman hired as a story man in, you know, in the 50s and 60s when, you know, most other, you go to any other animation studio and you're not going to see a black man, you know, as that. So Walt was not like, you know, he wasn't like a civil rights pioneer. I don't, I don't want to cast him as that. Uh, but he also was not, you know, I don't think he gave into the worst impulses of his time, nor did he really try to fight against them. He just kind of lived in and among his time. And I, but he, he did love people, and he loved people from all backgrounds, is what I want to get at. And I, and there are various myths we're going to uh, sort of expose and debunk on here. And and I, the idea that Walt was uh, some sort of Nazi. Uh, is definitely one of them, uh, and of course, obviously, he's not—he's not frozen. He's not frozen. He's not buried in, in the underneath the Pirates of the Caribbean in Anaheim. He's interned at—he was cremated and interned in a interned in a mausoleum in Forest Lawn Cemetery in Glendale, California. You can go—you can go visit him. Go right ahead. Uh, you can go visit him without having to pay the um, the admission fee at Disneyland and wait in line for pirates. So. <laughs> Although I mean, the latter is probably more fun, even if the even if the former would be a little more emotional and meaningful. So uh, yeah, we're so we're gonna be doing a, a bit of that here. But um, one of the reasons, one of the things that does sort of attract me to Walt as a person is, uh, and I think definitely makes me different than most Disney adults, Disney fans, Disney certainly Disney podcasters and bloggers. Um, he did have a dark side, uh, you know, and he was complicated, and he could be very um, morose. You know, the man suffered two nervous breakdowns. Uh, he had a temper. Uh, you know, he could be very angry and stuff. And I, I myself, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a very creative type, uh, and you know, I've dealt with bipolar disorder for years, and um, it's not something I bring up to elicit any sort of a f unearned sympathy from. From you, the audience, but uh, because there, you know, I can be ornery and cranky, and um, you know, I have a temper that I've worked on over the years to deal with, and um, you know, I think we, we can both be, uh, you know, like Walt, you know, we could both be moody. And and very much in our own heads, and so I, I identify with them a lot, and I think, you know, there's a lot of that sort of just aloof, uh, living in his own head, not in, you know, not entirely connected to humanity, uh, sort of aspect to him as as an artist and as a creative person and as a thinker that um. That I really, I, that I connect with and I identify with uh, a lot myself. And, uh, you know, like a lot a lot of, you know, you listen to a lot of Disney podcasts and you talk to you know, a lot of people who really promote Disney or talk about Disney, the man or the company or, or the, the studios and the movies. Um, they're all fairly chipper, optimistic, happy people. Not to say that they don't maybe suffer from their own, you know, insecurities and depression and whatever from time to time or maybe in general I don't know but at least they present themselves publicly as a very pot you know they you'll hear them you know try to express you know very positive like hey you know go have yourself a great big beautiful tomorrow and you know we're, we're all you know just what a great wonderful world it is that Walt gave us and isn't this I'm not that type of guy <laughs> you know? um however 
one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is because I do like be, being in this world, all right, and and sort of the Disney and going to Walt Disney World. Um, it does put me in a better mind frame, a better mindset. You know, I spend to my wake up and I check Twitter for the news, and then you just end up getting is all this negativity. You know, and just people going at each other, and you see things that annoy you, and such. Well, what this and this is wrong with the world, and that's wrong with the world, or you know, just going through my day trying to get things done, and realize projects are delayed and behind, and I have to do this stupid thing I don't want to do if I want to eat next week, you know, um, and just start getting really about you know grouchy and cranky and just kind of down, and then. You know, but 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 delving into some of these, you know, into that world, into it, in, into a the world Walt created, like just watching Snow White or Pinocchio is is an emotional bomb for me. And, you know, it makes me feel better, lifts me up. Um, being in Walt Disney World is it's like it it's a it's a form of therapy for me. I I it makes me feel better and it, it, it's sort of, it is a little bit of a refreshing you know some people like to go to the spa some people like going on meditation retreats I like going to Walt Disney World it, I love the immersiveness of it I love the creativity I love the talent the craft um, everything about it makes me feel better and I feel better as a person and I feel recharged not just as a human being not just mentally and emotionally but creatively as well and you know, when I when I go digging into some of the you know Walt biographies or the behind the scenes, or you know I, I I go watch the behind the scenes making of docs, or listen to the commentaries on some of those signature signature edition home videos, um, it does it does put me in a better emotional and mental headspace, and also gets my creative makes me go like, all right, here's this stupid thing that I you know this project that has been this I'm, I'm literally working on one painting right now it's a commission for a couple that has been driving me nuts I have not been able to for some reason I can't make it look right I can't make it look right and I just hate it and I don't want to work on it and there and it has to be done soon and there are days I just don't want to do it but you know sometimes just you know getting into watching some of that behind the scenes stuff some of that making of stuff and seeing these incredibly creative people and hearing how they tackled some of these impossible problems uh, gets me to a point where it's, oh, okay, I'm, I can go back and look at this with a different mindset. I'm re-energized, you know? Um, so f so part of this, for me, this podcast, in, in putting myself in this world and having force and talking about Walt for an hour or two every week and having conversations with people about the, the work and Walt and all that stuff uh, uh, for, is good for me. <laughs> mentally and emotionally and puts me in a better space and and creatively too and will hopefully make me a better more productive worker um you know i talked about how you know the first on the first episode about how my ex and i uh, we went to uh went down to florida walt disney world a few years ago and it was the first time i had gone since i was a kid and you know i had not been as an artist uh I hadn't really done any cartooning or any sort of like non-photo realistic illustration for years. Uh, and I'd kind of forgotten how much I, I you know, loved Walt and, and loved the Disney stuff and animation in general. And going down there and just being in the parks, wandering around the parks, and then um, going on, uh, what is it, the Man and His Dream, One Man's Dream uh, exhibit in Hollywood Studios and wandering through that. Like it really ignited. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot when I was a kid. I wanted to be this guy, you know, and like, and I came back from that and I really got super energized and started, you know, doing a lot more and a lot different types of artwork. So this podcast is sort of to, to create that for me every week, but I also do hope it creates it for you. And I'm not, I'm not a rah-rah type of guy, um, but I hope just the existence of this and hopefully my enthusiasm for it. Uh, we'll rub off on you and, you know, we can have our own little, uh, laughing place and 10 years from now, nobody might get that reference, but, um, that's something we will be discussing later too. Uh, not on this episode, but at some point, well, I mean, you can only avoid song of the South for so long. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about it. Um, that's the other thing, too. I find, you know, this is the weird sort of tension in, in the world and culture right now, but certainly with Disney, um, is, you know, the, the, 
I find I think a lot of people who are into Disney, and probably a lot of you listening, are maybe a little more politically or culturally conservative um, than I am. But I am less. I'm I'm sort of classically liberal, center left, but I'm also a very pro free speech guy. And uh, my point is, when it comes to some of the current controversies over past content in movies and how we should treat it today, I think you're going to find I don't entirely agree with either side. I'm a I, I you know I, in some cases I do in some cases I don't I think I think you might find my opinions a little um interesting uh, and some of you might be like ah get off the damn fence but um <laughs> choose a side no no you can't make me um yeah I think I I, I don't want to make I don't I don't want to say that my opinions on those things are more nuanced than other people that makes me sound like you know I'm some sort of have some sort of superior uh, viewpoint. But um, I think you will find that I definitely, you know, it's uh, have a different take on some of those things and maybe uh, hopefully a more fair and take something that won't anger either side. <laughs> when we do finally get around to uh, sticking our hand in that hornet's nest. Uh, so, yeah. So that's so. This is a little bit. So the first part of this episode, a little bit of a continuation of of the first episode. We're just getting to know you. Um, how do you do? And shake hands. State your name and business. Did I did I did I just repeat a couple of? Did I I did that in the first episode too? Didn't I? Just am I repeating gags and bits already? <laughs> Two episodes in. Oh baby. Oh, uh, recycling animation like we're the um like we're the seventies studio here. Like it's like like this is Robin Hood or the Aristocats. Um <laughs> recycling old material. Um so yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about Walt, right? That's the point of this. That's why we're all here. Um There is so much. I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about this podcast is I don't know that there are a whole lot of historical figures where you could just say, hey, we're going to dedicate a podcast to talking about this guy's life every week and and work. And you know that you could be doing this 10, 15 years down the road and you you don't necessarily have to, you know, retread or, you know, the same ground. You know, there's the man. I, that's kind of the cool thing about doing this, too, is we could talk about a lot of the things he did and was involved in that people maybe don't know about uh, and aren't that familiar with. Obviously, there's everything with the cartoons and stuff. But, I mean, I I certainly do want to focus a lot on what an innovator he was. And sort of the different Waltz. Uh, You had a there were a few, you know, you could almost categorize different portions of his life. And he's, obviously, throughout our lives, we're all sort of different people to a degree while remaining at our core the same person. And you could sort of, you know, have you'll talk about the different waltz a little bit um obviously there's his childhood there's the childhood walt and there's you know sort of growing up in that midwestern uh farm and going back and forth between farm city rural life uh you know whether it was marceline missouri or kansas city or chicago and um you know how he didn't have the easiest uh time as a child you know Sort of had a little bit of a hard scrabble life, even even for the early twentieth century. Um, and then there's you know the young man, the striver, the entrepreneur, the um, of you know the Walt, the Laughograms Walt, and the Walt Disney Brothers Studio, and then you know Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and then going right into uh, his first real success, like huge success, with Steamboat Willie. Like they you know, we can go the whole twenties. Where he was just this this young go getter who you know kept trying and failing for you know better part of a decade to to really crack this nut and get something going and then after Steamboat Willie you have the sort of raconteur the iconoclast Walt and sort of the the rebel and the folk artist and the folk hero and the man who was the toast of you know probably the only time in his in his life and career where where he was. A lot of the intellectual, intellectual uh, intelligentsia sort of celebrated him as an artist, uh, and not just a uh, a creator of family friendly product. Um, 
And and that is where you see a lot of the, you know, where he and his and his animators and, and his, you know, story men and everybody who worked at the studio um, were sort of inventing the art of animation. You know, they as we know it today, obviously it existed for a few decades before that, but, you know, really coming to refine it where, where they were, you know, they, they invented the storyboard there. It's used on every movie, every short film. I mean, like I've storyboarded <laughs> things out. Um, you know, they, obviously there's a synchronized sound. There's, you know, Walt, it, you know, was what the, how, how, Sort of how he was willing to take the risk taker. Well, he was. See, yeah, you can't really use the terms risk taker and innovator and apply them to specific periods of his life because those were two things I think that applied to, throughout his life. Um, but how he was willing to take risks and how he, you know, was a forward thinker, like what he did with Technicolor, how he made that exclusive deal with this new sort of untested, you know, still. People were unsure about kind of process with the uh, the three color, uh, you know, process uh, color process, and then Walt was the only guy, <laughs> the only studio in America, animation studio, uh, putting out full color animated, you know, cartoon shorts, and uh, what was it? The storyboard, um, and then so many things like, uh, man, I we'll get into this more. I got to read. You know, refresh my memory here but there was a lot of just things that are just basic animation techniques and in, you know like as with storyboarding what are now just common filmmaking techniques that were initially either developed or put into regular use or just refined where they became a part of the normal process of of uh animation and film production uh, at at the Walt Disney Studios during the production of those early, you know, shorts and the Silly Symphonies and the Mickey Mouses and stuff. And um, and that really is, that's, that's you know, Walt, the, the firebrand, the iconoclast, the, uh, you know, the the man challenging the system uh, in, in many ways, the sort of the Hollywood outsider, this brash guy who wore these, you know, these, Loved these wide-brimmed hats, rakishly tilted, these large open-collared sports shirts, you know, and the, that sort of Errol Flynn mustache, which it's amazing how you can look at that in the 30s, and it has a very sort of, you know, sporty, debonair, almost devilish look, and then you see it in the 50s and 60s, and it's it has a much different connotation of sort of like, you know, this stateliness, that Walter Cronkite, you know, more type of uh, feel, feel, to the, feel to the stash, the famous Walt stash there. So that's, that's the other wall. You know, you get the 20, basically you could sort of look at it as like 1900s, 1910s is, is childhood wall. 1920s is sort of up and comer entrepreneur wall. Late 1920s to early 1940s is Walt the artist, Walt the innovator, right up until World War II, really. Because then you have him obviously taking risks with the, with the features at the end of this period. You know, which is the, the end of the really the golden age of Disney animation. And, you know, he releases Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and it is to this day a masterpiece. And then he goes, puts all this money into Pinocchio, which is, for my money, the single greatest uh, ex- exemplar uh, of the craft of hand-drawn and painted animation that has that does exist and will ever exist because no one's going to put that time and effort and money into it um, the way they did. And even if the story, I know the, the story gets criticism, it's not as appealing as Snow White, it's not as heartwarming, um, it, it's episodic, doesn't have one long linear plot, uh, and it's you know, it doesn't have one villain you're fighting against, then is a lot darker in many places, uh, in many places. Um, so it was not as successful as Snow White, and I, and I don't think is to this day as beloved as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, but is might be my favorite, is one of my favorite movies of all time, like any movie, um, is probably my favorite Disney movie. Although, you know, like I do like, like I said, I like putting Snow White on as that emotional bomb. Snow White always puts me in a good mood. And I do like going back to those. Those two movies are sort of of a piece because they have very much that same feel. Uh, they have sort of like that, you know, that uh, Albert Herder, Gustav Tengren sort of um, European ch- watercolor illustration, child's 
book uh, sort of feel to it that I, I love being and I wish they had kind of done at least one more film in that style uh, to sort of act as a piece. But Walt went off and did other things. You know, it, you, it, the first five feature films he produced, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, Fantasia, uh, Dumbo, Bambi. Um, I might be getting the chronological order of release a little long, a little wrong. Can't remember was wait, was was a Fantasia or Dumbo? For, I might I don't know. You might those might I might be reversing the order they were released. Anyway, they had you know they had basically come up with synchronized sound with Steamboat Willie in nineteen, and that's released in nineteen twenty eight. Watch Steamboat Willie. Go on Disney Plus. Watch Steamboat Willie. Then put on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That came out nine years later. They did that in nine years. They came up with that. And then Pinocchio released two years after that. And it's just, it's incredible that it, within a decade, what they had done. And then that five movie run, and you just, just watch all five. And it, the not just the different styles of visual styles or audio. I mean, there's the completely different styles of art, of technique of genre, of music, of tone, of feel, of everything <laughs> that is encompassed in those five films. Um, it's amazing. I don't know if any filmmaker, any creative person um, will has had an output like that or will have an output like that. And those are movies that are all rightly now considered classics, even if they weren't as financially successful as Walt would have liked at the time. Except for Snow White and, and the Seven Dwarfs, which is like, you know, the Star Wars of its day. It was this huge blockbuster. Um, and then uh, right after that, you had World War II starting, right? And then that kind of put a kibosh. Walt was at the height, the zenith of his powers. And World War II kind of, you know, one of the reasons those movies didn't make as much as they should, as he would have liked, is because he could not get, he didn't have, the European market was either closed off to him, or getting the money from Europe was closed off to him, because they were at war. And then eventually, uh, America gets sucked into the war. The military takes over. This is, I think, one of the least uh, examined parts of Walt's life, this era. The World War the 40s, the sort of World War II and post-war uh, era from, you know, where it's sort of lost years. They, now, I think the best way you could describe them is the lost years for Walt and for the studio, uh, where for a while they were basically just mostly a government contractor. You know, they were just, uh, you know, the... the the army essentially moved in, or the military basically moved in to the studio the day after Pearl Harbor. They wanted to use them as barracks. Um, and Walt basically convinced them to let him, you know, use the studio as a studio, but they'll produce training films. They'll produce uh, decals and um, logos for, 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 you know, fighters and for different uh, units. And, um, and the training, propaganda films, and things like that. And this is, it's interesting because it's so many of what got produced there. I don't think as a lot of it has never made it to home video. So much of it is, you know, if it's, if it is, you got to go buy the DVD sets. You can't find a lot of it on Disney plus. It doesn't get replayed a lot. Um, like their furious face, you know, like won the Academy award. It spun off a hit song. Um. And no, wait. Was it? What was it? Was it their fierce face? The fear, that was the name of the song. Um. Oh man. Now I'm thinking. Oh, I'm forgetting the name of the short. It's the Donald Duck short where he dreams he's a Nazi. It's a, just a pure propaganda film. But as far as let, I'm, just, let me just double check, make sure my memory's not off here. See, we're doing this like we're live here. Um. Their fierce face. Okay. Yeah, it was the film. That is the name of the film. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, animated anti-Nazi propaganda short film produced by Walt Disney Productions, created in 1942 and released on January 1st, 1943 by RKO Radio Pictures. The cartoon, which features Donald Duck in a nightmare setting working at a factory in Nazi Germany, was made in an effort to sell war bonds and is an example of American propaganda during World War II. Uh, and then Spike Jones, yes, released, he had a hit. With the theme song, and it won best best animated short film. Okay, anyway, um, 
you can't. That's again, it's one of these seminal shorts, and we're going to talk about this later about Disney Plus's lack of classic content, uh, shameful lack of, uh, especially when it comes to the shorts. Uh, you you don't see that. You don't see Der Fury's face. You know anywhere anymore. And uh, victory through air power. How Walt took it upon himself. How he read this book. Uh, and again, I'm gonna have to. Once when I decide to dedicate certain episodes uh, to these various topics, we will. Um, I won't have to go looking as much up. <laughs> Uh, Victory Through Air Power was the book based on the book by Alexander P. DeSiversky. So Walt read this book and uh, about how important um, air power and the use of airplanes could be to it was you know to the American military effort um, and you know essentially was the main. Uh, was calling for the creation at the time they didn't have an air force. You know, the air force is basically a um, it was a part of the navy, and uh, you know a lot of naval you know admirals did not want to hear this talk about a uh, an air force um, <laughs> creation of, an, of a separate military branch. And victory through air power, air power. Walt read this book and was like, used his own money to produce this film, basically a propaganda film, basically talking about how uh, America needs to invest in in air in airplane technology um, to win the war. And it was hugely influential. I think in some cases its influence has been overstated. But the fact is, it's not something that gets, you know, it, again, it's something that doesn't really get talked about a lot these days or shown. You have to go find it on a, you know video or YouTube or something if you want to watch it. You got to pirate it if you want if you want to see it. That's the only way I've found. Um, and there's so much from that era. But Walt was not really making money. You know he was he was doing a lot of this for cost to the government. And then you know there were no features proper feature films released during this era. This is this was the package film era, which I think in in some ways has, has produced some really great stuff. Um, and obviously being packages, being, you know, sort of, especially when you think about like Make Mine Music or, um, uh, just, 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 why am I blanking out on the other one? Um, Make Mine Music or what's the other one? Uh, really, Craig? <laughs> um, Make Mine Music and yeah, which is the one not on Disney Plus. The one on Disney Plus. Why am I why am I blanking on that one? Um anyway. Here we go. The package films. Let me look this up. This is one. See, this is like you're listening to um Examples. Come on, Craigers, where are we here? Let's go. Uh whatever. Um <laughs> I apologize here. I should I should hit pause and just keep going. Anyway, um the Disney package films, but basically he realized he couldn't, you know, didn't have the money to put into a uh, complete uh, feature production, so he'd package shorts together. Melody Time, that's the one on Disney+. Plus. Thank you. Um, and this is, of course, where we got Three Caballeros and uh, Saludos Amigos first with the uh, the Good Neighbor Tour, and there's a great, that, there is a great documentary on Disney+, Plus, Walt and El Grupo, about that. Uh, but these movies, you know, are, are sort of forgotten because the, you know... Th- the sum is l- less, they are less than the sum of their parts. As, as holes, you know, I really wish Disney Plus would offer a way where you could just watch the segments. And then I wish, you know, it, Make My Music is not on it at all. And I don't know why. Again, we're going to get to Disney Plus's egregious lack of classic stuff. But um, it was, again, a, a dark, dark time, a lost uh, time for uh, Disney where he was not having the commercial or artistic success um, that he wanted to. And that, that I think, is a very interesting um, period of his life to get into. And there was recently a, uh, an exhibit at the Walt Disney Family Museum out in San Francisco um, where, they, where they did talk. It was basically all about the studio and um, World War II. And uh, you could order the uh, the exhibit exhibition book for that online, which I want to get because I'm sure it is a great resource to tell you more about those things. So, but that was sort of like 
Walt, for for most of the 40s, was sort of a creative and artistic failure in a lot of ways, and and and, and, and business-wise. Um, um, and business-wise, you know, what they weren't, the studio, you know, they didn't know if Cinderella wasn't a success, they, you know, who knows if the studio would have survived. And this is sort of a running theme throughout Disney's history. If Steamboat Willie wasn't a success, well, if Snow White wasn't a success, that's the end of the studio. If Cinderella wasn't a success, that's the end of the studio. If Disneyland flopped, that's the end of the studio. The man gambled on himself a lot and, and, and lost. But when he gambled... Big, he and he won, and that's and uh, that is, I think, one of the running themes of Walt's life too. Again, we're talking, uh, we're saying, you know, risk taker and innovator are two terms that could be applied to him basically from birth through death. Um, then failure, obviously, come, when you are a risk taker and an innovator, uh, you're going to experience a lot of failure. And in the '40s, there. I think was a lot of that from a uh, from a box office uh, standpoint, from a business standpoint, and even from a creative and artistic standpoint. Um, and you know, this is when you hear about Walt getting really into model trains and miniatures and stuff. And I think he needed an outlet. He needed something because he was not happy that with the studio just churning out either just shorts or. Shorts packaged as feature films or just product for the United States government and the military effort. Even though he was a huge patriot and firmly believed in it and and wanted to help, and I think and I think actually once the war was over and the war was won, uh, he was he, I think he was really kind of lost because he didn't know what to do. The studio had no money. <laughs> you know, the studio had basically uh, been going along by the you know skin of its teeth for World War Two. And this is where you hear about him. Uh, and I, I don't know if I'm how if you don't know a lot of this stuff. If I'm just alluding to things and confusing you more by not explaining it, I'm trying to do an overview here. <laughs> so anyway, so we have uh, 1900s, 1910s. We got childhood wall. We got 20s. We got the up and comer. Right. We got 30s. We got the iconoclast, the toast of the town. 40s, the lost years, sort of. And I'm generalizing here. That when I say the 30s, I'm really talking like. 1928 to, uh, you know, like 1942, really. Um, and then, obviously, you know, um, that ends with the release of Cinderella. And then the 50s through the end of his life, through 19th, you know, December 5th, 19th, was it 5th? Uh, 5th or 15th? I get it confused. Sinatra's birthday is December 15th, and that's why I, uh, my one of my other heroes... <laughs> he was born uh, December 15th. Walt was, Dece I believe it was December 5th, 1966. He oh, no, he was December 15th. Yeah. Wait, and if, wait, if Sinatra was born uh, December 12th, 1915. Jesus. I'm getting old, or maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I need more coffee. Maybe I need, maybe I need to just write more notes. <laughs> anyway, uh... And then this era is, of course, where Walt the brand, Walt the, really Walt, Walt the mogul, um, this is where he really takes shape. And I think the Walt Disney that a lot of people know today, um, this is the this is where they get that Im the image of him that they have, and uh, and it is creatively and artistically interesting because it's. I think the most satisfying for him, and I think his greatest, uh, or his, you know, his studio and his company's greatest achievements, creatively and artistically, did not come from uh, animation or films necessarily, but came from uh, things he did in the real world, like the parks, and you know uh, how much you know through that, and then his plans for uh, Epcot, which never got fully realized. Um, the experimental prototype city of tomorrow, how much he, uh, you know, it, it informed uh, just a lot of technological innovation and civic and urban urban planning and sort of how we think about spaces and vacations and tourism and nostalgia and uh, dealing with American history and all sorts of stuff. But this is, you know, it's, 
And this is, you know, where it's the staid conservative Uncle Walt, where Walt is the man, where, you know, in the in the late 20s and 30s, he was the rebel. Now Walt is the man. You know, obviously, geez, in the 40s, I forgot to mention the strike, obviously, the animation strike, um, which was a huge turning point in his life, I think. That, that and then the war coming and basically shutting down the feature production he wanted to do, I think, really hit him hard. Um, and he and really disrupted the studio for a while. And um, yeah, geez, I could talk about the 40s being the lost years and I completely forget the strike. There's a new book out about that now, um, which I need to get and read, uh, which I hear is very good. And I want to get the author on to talk about as well. I I can't remember the name of either the book or the author off the top of my head right now. But again, hey, it's like live radio here. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Like I said, I'm a, I, I, I was a, I was a singer. I was a stand-up comic. Um, just getting on the mic and 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 rapping with the audience is, is how I am most comfortable. Um, sitting and 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 writing out m- many many production notes and editing together a whole podcast uh, ain't my bag, baby. So I hope uh, I hope you I hope this is this is the thing here too. One of the reasons I'm doing these first few episodes by myself is. Um, if you don't like me or my personality or my take on things at all, uh, you're not going to like this podcast. So, you know, it's, uh, hopefully I'm, this is me introducing myself and hopefully endearing myself to you, the listener. Uh, and you want to keep, you want to keep doing it and keep listening a lot. Um, so, yeah, the 50s and 60s, uh, at least the first half of the 60s when Walt was alive, are, uh, you know, this is this is where we get Walt the mogul, Walt the man, Walt the conservative, Uncle Walt. Um, yet he was still very much uh, a rebel, very much a risk taker, very much an innovator. And obviously, we know about those '50s movies, which I think were a lot. There's some great. I love. I, I love Lady and the Tramp. I love Sleeping Beauty. To me, is an absolute masterpiece. It is up there with Pinocchio as far as just the the craft and technique and being one of the greatest achievements in those regards uh, ever done in hand drawn, hand painted animation. Um, but again, I think a lot of people they don't find it. It does. It's not as appealing to them as a Snow White or a Cinderella you know, uh, was where it's, you know, I think crowd pleasing, I guess might be the better word for it. You know, uh, even though I still, I think it's perfectly entertaining film. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it's, it's amazing. But I think even, even, you know, like Cinderella is a great movie. Uh, Lady and the Tramp. I love, I like, you know, I I like Alice in Wonderland and, and Peter Pan as well, but I think, you know, you can't, none of those movies with the exception of possibly Sleeping Beauty, I think reaches the same artistic, Creative Heights that the first five features did. You know, I don't think Walt ever got back to that. I think Sleeping Beauty was his attempt to do that. And, um, you know, I, I, it was not the heartwarming crowd pleaser, I think, you know, that he wanted it to be, that, that Cinderella and Snow White were. So, um, but, you know, this is when he still created a lot of things people know and associate with Disney. This is, this is, those are great movies. Those are movies that are fine to put on for the kids. And it's great family entertainment without necessarily reaching the status of high art. You know, um, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And this is also where we get Disneyland TV show. And we get Davy Crockett. And, you know, people, when they associate, you always see those... Uh, this is how big an influence Walt was on the culture. I mean, you go back, you see any sort of, you know, uh, movie or television depiction of that 50s, of that time, and there's always the kid wearing the coonskin cap or the kid wearing the Mickey Mouse Club ears, you know, and those were both Disney, you know, and then Disneyland, you know, how much, you know, there was one of the most watched shows on television every week was Walt shaping an entire uh, generation and the way they think about life in this country so you have but you had that and that's what everyone knows right and we know about disneyland but i think there's some other really cool stuff like the true life adventures series of uh films which basically were the first versions of what we now have you know with uh you know nat geo and planet earth and you know bbc nature and all these nature documentaries you see now disney nature and uh which i am a huge huge fan like they're one of the reasons 
as much as much as I can complain about Disney Plus when it comes to their lack of classic content, um, what I the, one of the reasons Disney Plus is so great for me is because I am a huge Disney fan, classic Disney fan, animation fan. Um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, classic Star Wars mostly. Uh, I like some of the new stuff, but uh, we don't need to get into that now. Um, I like the prequels too. Um, I lo- and I love comic books. I love Marvel. I love you know the the Marvel movies. And I'm a huge nature, wildlife, conservation, science guy. So, you know, where it's like here's a here's a streaming service that's Star Wars stuff and comic book stuff and animation and nature and science documentaries with the National Geographic label that they own too. So it's like I watch Disney Plus a lot. And this, you know, and I and I also subscribe to Discovery Plus and I watch literally, literally nothing on it other than the Planet Earth BBC stuff. Like m- you know, every a lot of people subscribe to that for the Bravo shows or the true TV stuff or whatever. Uh, I I watch you know Planet Earth and then just listen to David Attenborough half the day. Um, and this all got its start with the True Life Adventures, uh, Walt's True Life Adventures, which some of some of which you can see. He basically gave birth to the nature documentary as we know it. To you know, and then obviously we got Wild Kingdom on television after that. But you know, this was another innovation that, that Walt gave us. And then of course, you know, uh, animatronics, things that were developed for Disney World. Um, all, and then what he did with Disneyland, uh, I should say, um, is you know the the amount of different innovations is just as far as keep you know how do you um, navigate people through a place of just like dealing with public space managing public space and managing crowds and managing garbage and waste removal and trash and it's incredible uh and you know like a lot of places you know a lot of um you know you would go to the carnival or you'd go to you know go to the movies or something and it was just one long line one long queue and disneyland you know one of the many innovations there is they so you know i don't think they were the first to do it but they sort of popularized that sort of that switchback queue you know the one that sort of snakes back and forth you know it used to be there'd be several long lines at the bank you know for each teller and now you know you have that sort of that queue that really became popular at disneyland because they needed to find a way to get the most people in as little space as possible <laughs> and to keep them under the shade there too. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff like that. And I think that, you know, and that obviously what he wanted to do with with Epcot and creating this futuristic city and really sort of renovating and re-energizing and just rethinking uh, cities and urban planning as we know it Uh is some really cool stuff to look into. And there's also, there were a number of other park ideas uh, before Florida that came up. There was one that was potentially going to be done in uh, in, um, in Mineral Springs in, uh, in California. There was one that almost was built in St. Louis. They thought of doing a series of indoor ones around. Um, you know, even though this is kind of... The image, you know, that that's the image of Uncle Walt, and it's just, all right, we have the very sort of family-friendly TV fair and, you know, sort of vanilla, you know, live-action movies and, and stuff, and and we all go to Disneyland, and we have a good time, and, and, and here's Uncle Walt. Uh, there's a, so much more going on there. This is because this, this is when he had when he was really for the first time in his life financially successful and and really had some power and influence, uh, not just in entertainment but in in, in the world and in industry. Uh, you know, we could talk about the World's Fair in 1964. So there's so much to talk about. And this is just this is just me going on for you know what what how long I've been going on for like over a half hour, just about the one man. Just about him. We're not. We haven't talked about Roy. We haven't talked about any of the animators, any of the uh, the background artists, the production designers, any of the Imagineers. We haven't talked about any of the the composers. You know, we haven't talked about any of the actors or performers. Uh, there is so much. We can do this podcast for you. Hopefully, I'm 75 years old and we're still doing this. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it will be getting out to people. Uh, hopefully, I make it to seventy-five. Actually, that's let's just start right there. Um, but yeah, there's there's 
there's a lot to talk about on this podcast. I mean, I wanted to get into this episode. I want this was going to be the episode where I talked about, kind of took you through my library of uh, books and videos and podcasts and Instagram accounts that I've been into, and um, to, gave you a sort of a tour of Disney Plus and what I feel is if you're a classic Disney fan, you know how it can best and in many ways does not can best serve your needs uh, and also doesn't. Um, and we haven't even gotten to that. We're already at an hour here, so I'm going to I'm gonna wrap things up. Because, again, it is just me rambling here, and, and I don't want to uh, overstay my welcome too much. Uh, this is good, actually, as I'm really busy this next week and probably will not be able to start recording interviews for another week, uh, at least. And, um, and it'll be nice, because then I can have, there'll be three episodes. This will exist. There'll be three episodes. When, if I get the th- episode three, this is what we're going to do, all right? This is my promise to you, my dear listener. Episode three, we're gonna do this. I'm gonna tell you all about like how I'm getting it. What it's gonna be sort of the resource and uh, compendium and uh, sort of my Disney Plus review, and uh, and then hopefully and then hopefully there we could start rolling and I could start putting this a little more out into the world and really start promoting it and um, getting some hopefully some really good guests on and hopefully it'll give me time to maybe read that. Um, read one or two new books that have come out <laughs> so I can have the author on and talk to them about it. I like to actually read the book before I, before I talk to the guy about it, you know, or, or, or gal, um, or, or neither or non-binary. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so this is going to be it for this week. Oh, I thank you for listening. I'm, I don't know. Honestly, I enjoyed this one. I, I know it was a little, uh, it, it was, little rambly at times. There were tangents here and there. I, I was not, uh, you know, there was maybe a little dead air while I had to research and look up some th- some things. But I had a lot of fun. Just this is this is what I want to do. I just want to talk Walt, talk his life, and talk about you know the aspects of his life that don't get talked about that much, and talk about all the various different facets of you know of Walt the man um, and his work. This is what we're here for on Walt's time, in Walt's time. Um, Please go check out this uh, craigmahoney.substack.com. Become a subscriber. There, you're going to see a lot of things there uh, coming soon. Because uh, I'm, I'm jazzed to be in this new, um, to be, to be home, to be back in New York City, living here, to have uh, an actual real studio space, uh, art studio space. I still need to uh, do some uh, renovate, do some work to make it a better recording space. But anyway. Um, yeah, and there, you're going to see a lot of stuff there. Follow In Walt's Time at In Walt's Time on Instagram. I'm probably going to make a Twitter account too. Haven't done that yet. Uh, but yeah, CraigMahoney.substack.com. And if you if you don't care about non Disney stuff or, or the New York Yankees, which is my other podcast, uh, you can opt out of receiving um, uh, receiving notifications about that. But if you, if you like me, if you think I'm a swell fella, if you, if you if you have faith in this podcast, uh, if Faith and trust and pixie dust is going to make this go. And premium Substack subscriptions. Uh, if you subscribe to the Substack for just five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year, hey, that's a deal. Um, you can help keep this podcast going. And and the more I and the more money I make uh, through the Substack, uh, the more time I can spend on it, and the better I can make it, and the more exclusive content I can put out. So please uh, tell your friends. Please subscribe and follow the links. You can, if you want to buy any of my original Disney art, I have some drawings and paintings up on my big cart, uh, my shop on Big Cartel, my art store, uh, and also you can go to uh, T Public, my T Public shop, and get some merch there, the Disney and non-Disney stuff as well. Uh, all of that helps to support me, helps to support my own Mickey, Mickey Dog here. Uh, named after Mickey Mantle, but <laughs> but he he there's there's an adorable uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on last podcast. If you go to my my your old pal Craig's Instagram, you'll find an adorable picture of him with a uh, my sorcerer Mickey ears on him. Anyway, CraigMahoney.substack.com at in Walt's time on Instagram. Original art for sale on Big Cartel. Other merch available on T Public. All the links are right there uh, in the show notes. So. And by next week, I'm also going to have this up. You'll be able to listen to this through more than just Substack. I will have it up on the various podcast apps. Like I said, we're just right now. We just we're, we want 
trying to get it built before we really put it too much out into the world. So anyway, I thank you for listening. I really do. Uh, I enjoyed the heck out of this. I hope you did. And uh, we hope... Did I come up with a sign-off yet? I don't think I have. We'll do that by next week, too. Uh, In the meantime, uh, you know, have a great, big, beautiful uh, week, kids. Bye.